I'm Brett McGarry. This week on The Couch Potatoes, it's our final episode of 2019, and I guess, the decade. I'm Jeff Braun, and to celebrate, we're going to run down our list of favorite TV shows of the 2010s. And kicking off my list at number 10, a fantastic spy show called The Americans. The greatest threat the United States now faces is the Soviet Union. Hello? The Americans have no intelligence. Undercover agents hiding all over the U.S. No one has any idea who they are. Well, they look like us. They speak better English than we do. Maybe there's another way. I would lose everything before I would betray my country. You're my wife. Is that right? The Americans premieres January only on FX. That was a promo for the premiere back in 2012. The Americans ran for six seasons on FX following the Jennings family, a regular American family to the untrained eye, but secretly mom and dad were KGB agents. They were played by Carrie Russell and Matthew Reese, while Noah Emmerich played their FBI agent neighbor Stan. The show set in the 1980s in Washington, D.C. at the height and heart of the Cold War. It had an amazing blend of family drama and spy stuff. It was especially good at ratcheting up the tension. It also uh, a show of consequences. Bad things would happen to major characters, so there were always real stakes to the proceedings, unlike so many police shows where you know the guy from NCIS just isn't going to die that week. The Americans is still a show that I regret missing that first episode because I remember seeing the promos and thinking, that looks great. I'm going to watch it. I forgot to set the recording on my PBR. <laughs> that first episode came and went, and it wasn't available on demand, so I thought, well, I guess that's it for me and the Americans. I'm lost. Oh well, see you in six years, TV. <laughs> <laughs> next up, I guess, next up on our list, for me, my first of my top ten, I, in no particular order except for number one for me. This is a show that's been entertaining the both of us for nearly two decades. Let the fireworks begin. It's the most anticipated Survivor season of all time. To win an all-winner season, it blows everything out the water. My competition here is the greatest of the great. Everybody out here was the best at one time. Who doesn't want to play with the best? Survivor, winners at war. Premieres in February. As you just heard, it's getting ready to kick off the decade with its 40th season. It kicked off this past decade with its 20th season, which was Heroes vs. Villains. And I had skipped a few seasons at that point, but watching that season felt like welcoming an old friend back into my life. I think only one time in the past decade did I stop watching a season. I can't even remember which one it was. It was in the last two years. But I just didn't give a rip about any of the players, so I stopped watching. But overall, Survivor which is on CBS in the States, Global in Canada, continues to evolve in mostly entertaining ways as players continue to get marooned on a tropical beach for 39 days and try to see who will be the last one standing. It's not the ratings juggernaut it once was in the U.S., but it continues to be one of the top shows in Canada. And it'll be on our list for the best TV of the 2020s probably as well because it's just going to keep going and going. And it is. It's it's good almost every season. Yeah, pretty much. Even a bad season of Survivor is still entertaining but yeah and I think it's like it's almost like sports for people who don't like sports right because they have pools and and uh, you can you know people make bets it's it's yeah I like it good stuff number nine on my list is Brooklyn Nine-Nine this would also be on your list we don't want to do a whole lot of overlap though right Uh, it's a fun crazy sitcom about cops in New York starring Andy Samberg as the goofy detective Jake Peralta he's a great cop but sometimes he gets sidetracked like the time he gets the guys in a police lineup to sing a Backstreet Boys song for him because the murder witness only heard the 
suspect singing. Number one, could you please sing the opening to I Want It That Way? Really? Okay. You are my fire. Number two, keep it going. The one desire. Number three, believe when I say. Number four, I want it that way. Tell me why. <laughs> Ain't nothing but a heartache. Tell me why. Ain't nothing but a mistake. Now, number five, I never want to hear you say. I want it that way. Oh, chills. Literal chills. It was number five. Number five killed my brother. Oh, my God. I forgot about that part. <laughs> Classic. That will go down as the moment of the series, I would guess. The whole cast is amazing in Brooklyn Nine-Nine, especially Andre Brower as a no-nonsense deadpan Captain Holt. Resume the drill, Timmy, and do not do or say anything that a seven-year-old boy would not do or say. Feel free to consult the script I've prepared. Okay, but uh, it's a little stilted. I am feeling trepidation at the prospect of a parentless existence. No kid talks like that. Those lines were lifted verbatim from my boyhood diary. <laughs> Every time. Brooklyn Nine-Nine, co-created by Michael Schur, who had a hand in a lot of great shows this decade. We'll hear from a couple more before we are done this hour. But Brooklyn Nine-Nine is just tops from it's from the beginning. It's been great. Next up for me, one of the craziest shows ever to air on network television, Hannibal. Hannibal is one of the few shows to win a perfect score on Rotten Tomatoes. And it beat every other show to win Hulu's Best of the Best. Where is Hannibal? You're drawing them to you, aren't you? He's playing with us. Always. Isn't it time you discovered Hannibal? It is a show about Hannibal Lecter, and it was magnificent. Debuted in 2013, and it was always on the ratings bubble, and NBC finally had to dump it after three seasons. I thought for sure it would get picked up by another network or a streaming service. Sadly, it did not. Basic story is pretty simple. Hannibal's a guy who kills people and eats them. Will Graham is the FBI guy who's going to catch him. But it's so much more than that. It is a wonderful show, beautifully shot, mesmerizing soundtrack, excellent acting, great writing, and they find a way to turn horrific violence into art. And in spite of the fact that you knew what Hannibal is cooking, all the stuff that he was cooking looked really good. So it just it, it, it created these this mixed bag of weird emotions as you're watching because you feel guilty for enjoying this stuff. And every ma- week it made you scratch your head as to just how the hell it ever got onto network television. So I salute NBC for sticking with that show as long as they did. Absolutely. I, I even watch that show and I don't like gory stuff. And there's a lot of weird stuff to look at. But like because it was so weird, it didn't really feel real I guess maybe that's how they got away with it maybe that's how I got away with watching it that's probably it yeah because yeah. when you when you you would see these like it was like watching a live painting yeah uh you typically never saw him committing the act it was always the the <laughs> aftermath yeah, right yeah, yeah. so it would be more like walking into this this art installation as yeah. opposed to the grisly crime scene absolutely my number eight show this decade was also one of my favorites the last decade we've had 14 years so far of it's always sunny in philadelphia no, hang on that's not like an official document 
Uh, well, you signed it in your blood. Oh, that, yeah, there it is, Trundle, written in blood. Oh, yeah, I was going by Trundle at the time, wasn't no, I? No, 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 you were trying to write Charlie, and you wrote Trundle. No, I was going by Trundle the Great. You came up with that after you miswrote. Sunny is a show on FX about five miserable and pretty stupid friends who own a dive bar in Philadelphia. They scheme against each other and anyone to get what they want, and it's hilarious. I always say any show should call it a day after seven seasons, but Sunny is one of those rare exceptions. It benefits from the fact that it basically keeps the status quo week after week after week in Europe year after year. The larger story doesn't move much so long as they can keep the jokes fresh. It works. And they're topical too. They do episodes about whatever hot button issue is a thing at the point. At that point in time, they've put their bizarre stamp on everything from gun control to Me Too to movie franchises. And next up will be a show that was also on my last best of decade list. You are listening to The Couch Potatoes. I'm Brett, he's Jeff, we are the Couch Potatoes. We are counting down our favorite television shows of the past decade, and we just checked in with Jeff for It's Always Sunny in Philadelphia, which has been on for 14 seasons, and it was on his favorite shows of last decade. Well, now I've got a show that made the cut for favorite shows of the decade last time we did this. It's my first comedy on my list, and it was only in its first season, by the way, the last time out. Modern Family. Honey, mm-hmm. what would happen if the greatest scientists on Earth got together to mate nature's two most violent predators? Are we talking about Croctopus in 3D? At 210. Book it! It is now in its 11th season, which will be its final season. I feel like I'm cheating a little bit here because I haven't actually watched Modern Family for a while. I think it was the ninth season where I had... Yeah, that's the last time I watched it because I ended up with something like 30 episodes of Modern Family piled up on my PVR before I had to get a new PVR, so I lost all the episodes and I just haven't caught up. But this show about a unique family was consistently one of the best-written shows on TV and consistently hilarious. I will one day finish watching this series. I will. My number seven show is Downton Abbey. Downton is a great house, and the Crawleys are a great family. Do you know the new heir is Robert's third cousin? I thought Lady Mary was the heir. Girls can't inherit. Don't you care about Downton? I've given my life to Downton. Come oh, and let them change me. Why are you so against him? He isn't one of us. Welcome to Downton. The British series about an earl, his family, and their servants ran for six glorious seasons on PBS in North America, transporting us back to the early 1900s and taking us through a lot of soapy drama in everyone's lives. It was always a soap opera, just classed up a bit with the spot-on authenticity of the time and its beautiful set dressing and costumes. It was funny, tragic, it built a world, an old world that I enjoyed visiting every week and every season. The show ended in 2016, but they had a movie this past year, which was a wonderful way to revisit the characters. There were too many memorable characters to list, but Maggie Smith as the wisecracking old granny was the fan favorite. Makes me smile. The way every year we drink to the future, whatever it may bring. Well, what else could we drink to? We're going forward to the future, not back into the past. If only we had the choice. Next up for me, from the History Channel, which is a chorus network, Vikings. My father has returned. Perhaps he should not have come back. Father's return brings calamity, chaos, tragedy, and death. I am not afraid. You should curse the day. 
This co-Canadian produced show has become one of the most critically acclaimed on TV. It's inspired by the stories of Viking Ragnar Lothbrok, a legendary Norse hero, and the scourge of England and France. Beautiful cinematography, elaborate costumes and sets, crazy battle scenes, intense violence and gore, so not for the squeamish like uh-huh. you, Jeff. But it is also a soapy family power struggle. It's been on now for, I think they're in their sixth season, uh, but some of the seasons went like 25 episodes or something, so they, they could have probably just done, counted it as, you know, its own 10-episode season. Uh, pretty sure you can catch up on the show on Shaw Video On Demand, but if not, you can definitely catch up on Amazon Prime Video. Number six on my list is a show called Justified. Raylan, you know I like a good conversation as much as anybody, but... but uh... Being as matters are pressing. Why don't you just hand over Drew Thompson to these, well, I I won't say nice, but people, and save you and me a whole lot of trouble? Timothy Oliphant plays U.S. Marshal Raylan Givens, returning to his hometown Holler in Kentucky, where he battles a number of hillbilly crime bosses, including his old mining buddy Boyd Crowder, uh, played with relish by Walton Goggins. The dialogue always crackled. The source material was a book by crime novelist Elmore Leonard, and there are always a lot of very interesting characters, good guys, bad guys, friends, family, and foes, all cut up in and around Harlan, Kentucky. The setting itself a character, frankly a place you don't see too often on TV, and the rules were always a little different than the rest of civilization. You think you're better than me because you play by the rules? Whose rules? My life is my own. You ain't even heard a word I said. I don't give a about what you said. I'm an outlaw. Next up for me is a show on Netflix that hails from Iceland. It's called Trapped. Andre. What a wonderful language. I mean, that's one of the big reasons I enjoyed watching this show so much, getting to listen to them speak Icelandic. They do speak English from time to time in the show. It's not entirely in Icelandic. It's set in this tiny little harbor town at the end of a fjord in East Iceland. So it's got water and mountains all around, and it is gorgeous. One of the most beautiful shows I've ever watched. Season 1, which debuted in 2015, but I didn't actually watch that until 2017, is a murder mystery. Fishing boat hauls in a body, at least part of a body, just as a big ferry is pulling in, and not long after the body is found in the ferry docks, a massive storm rolls along and cuts off the town from the rest of the world. They are trapped. Season 2 gets more political, but it is still outstanding. So far, every person I've recommended the show to who ended up watching it says they love it too. Yep, that was me. I was one of them. And I I haven't watched season 2 yet, but I really dug season 1. I'm a sucker for uh, stuff in the snow at night. Yeah. That's just a good, this is something familiar about it because we live like that. Really cool. Speaking of sort of felt Canadian and snow, my number 5 for the decade is Fargo. This is a deal. Hank's thinking botched robbery. Oh, sure. That's how it starts, with something small, like a break-in at the Watergate Hotel. But this thing's only getting bigger. 
When they first announced that there was going to be a TV show on FX based on my favorite movie, I was concerned. The Coen Brothers' 1996 masterpiece Fargo is a perfect movie and does not need any monkeying around within any form. But to my surprise and delight, Noah Hawley did right by the Coens, crafting three seasons of delicious crime stories set in the world the Coens had created, but not directly coming into contact with it. Dumb people who turned to crime to try to solve their problems who ended up way over their heads with real ruthless criminals. That was the movie, and that in short is the show and it is glorious it is weird it is clever it is entertaining it's an anthology show with different characters each year set in a different era and in a different part of the midwest season two uh, was the best that's set in the 70s starring patrick wilson kirsten dunce gene smart ted dance and many many more they're working on a fourth season right now so we got something to look forward to in 2020 next up for me is a british show called Broadchurch. your god left my son for dead You're my boy, Danny. I promise, we will find the person responsible. The first season dates back to 2013 from ITV. It aired in Canada on Showcase and is available on Netflix. It was later remade for American TV on Fox. They called that Grace Point. Oddly enough, they used the same actor, David Tennant, to play the same detective. I liked the American version, but the British version is streets ahead. By the way, that Grace Point only went one season, but Broadchurch went three. The first season is the best season. A murder mystery set in a small English coastal town. An 11-year-old boy is killed. His death is investigated by police detectives played by the aforementioned David Tennant and Olivia Colman. Season 2 wasn't nearly as good as Season 1, but it was still good. Season 3 was solid as well, but that first season, wow, it is difficult but excellent television. One of the best seasons of TV I've ever watched, period. Up next, we'll do another British show, much lighter than Broadchurch, and oddly enough, Olivia Colman is in that one too. You're listening to The Couch Potatoes. Welcome back to The Couch Potatoes. I'm Jeff. He's Brett. We're doing our best of the decade TV show list, or favorite of the decade, I guess we should say, if we want to get technical about it. Uh, we're up to number four on our list now. If you're just tuning in and missed the first batch, go back and listen to the podcast. You can hear the whole list one more time. Number four on my list, actually, is a show we've never really talked about in depth. It's called Fleabag. So you're a cool priest, are you? A cool priest? Yeah. No, I'm a big reader with no friends. Are you a cool person? Oh, I'm a pretty normal person. A normal person? Yeah, a normal person. What makes you a normal person? Well, I don't believe in God. I love it when he does that. I love it when he does that. What he, God, did was drop a painting off the wall when Fleabag said she didn't believe in God. Fleabag is a British sitcom from Phoebe Waller-Bridge. She wrote the series and stars in it. It's about a woman in her 30s trying to get her life together. You can catch it on Amazon. It was on British TV originally. In the few years before the show is set, she's lost her mother and her best friend. She has fractious relationships with her sister, brother-in-law, father, and stepmother. It's only two seasons, and there are only six episodes each. You could watch the entire series in one afternoon, and you should. I never watched any of it until this fall when it cleaned up at the Emmys. Fleabag is simply the funniest show I've seen in years. It's very smart. It is emotionally devastating at times. It really is a work of art, and Phoebe Waller-Bridge is truly something special. Season 2 came out this year in which she falls in love with a priest because, well, of course she does. It's got a lot of different layers going on. I've watched it all twice. I'll likely soon watch it again. It is an instant classic on par with the best Britcoms of all time like Fall 
faulty towers and the office. Next up for me, another comedy for our list, and I think it's safe to say this was also a show we both adore. It's The Good Place. The Good Place is a must-watch new comedy. You are dead. Cool. Ted Danson is comedy gold, and Kristen Bell really shines. Somebody royally forked up. You can't curse here. It's bullshit. The Good Place, Thursdays after Superstore this fall on NBC. The Good Place hails from NBC. It airs on Global in Canada, and it is in its fourth and final season. Kristen Bell plays a woman who has died, and she's gone to The Good Place. Although it turns out she only got in due to a clerical error, and she really should have gone to The Bad Place. Ted Danson plays the cosmic being who is the architect of the specific neighborhood we see of The Good Place. Both actors are a joy in this series, and the supporting cast is outstanding. This show is just crazy imaginative, with some very impressive visuals to back up its bizarre concept and it's hilarious exploiting its premise for all sorts of unexpected comedy all while telling an interesting serialized story that ends each episode with a twist and then each ensuing season ends with a twist where they kind of blow the whole thing up and then the story begins fresh on a completely different slant you were not expecting which is just such a huge risk for any show to take it was like wow they swing for the fences every single time on it it's been an amazing run at number three on my list another show starring a fantastic comic actress, Amy Poehler, brought us seven seasons of laughter with Parks and Recreation. Oh, my stars. I'm just a little lady. My fragile constitution cannot handle the fearsome outdoors. I have no problem with strong women, Leslie. Who's Leslie? My name is Annabelle Vandergraaff, and y'all, I just fall to pieces when the sun shines on my head. We also heard Nick Offerman's Ron Swanson in there, the world's last real man, and just one person in a very strong cast that also introduced us all to Chris Pratt. My name is Burt Macklin. I'm with the... FBI. He, of course, would go on to become an action star. While the main ensemble cast is Hall of Fame worthy, Parks had an extended cast of characters that would make The Simpsons jealous. A whole town full of crazy people. That's thanks to an amazing writer's room led by co-creator Michael Schur, who also co-created The Good Place and Brooklyn Nine-Nine, mentioned earlier in the show. The laughs are great, but the heart at the core of the show kept me coming back week after week after week. It's a workplace comedy that quickly felt like a family comedy. And at seven seasons, it did not overstay its welcome, which is the downfall of so many shows. What is this? It's food poisoning. I have it too. I did not sleep for one second last night. And I cracked the bottom of the toilet bowl. Oh, God, don't say that. Next up for me is a show that I just talked about last week since its fourth season debuted on Amazon Prime on December 13th, The Expanse. Do you miss Earth? When you spend your whole life living under a dome, even the idea of an ocean is almost impossible to imagine. Based on a series of books, The Expanse is set in The Expanse of Space, a couple hundred years into the future, where we Earthlings have colonized the moon, Mars, and the asteroid belt beyond Mars, and a couple of moons beyond that. And everyone hates each other. They're always on the brink of war. There's intrigue, mystery, action, remarkably great visual effects for a TV show that at first hailed from the Sci-Fi Network. It aired initially in Canada on space, but then Sci-Fi cancelled it after three 
seasons. Amazon picked it up, so now you can watch it on Amazon. Oh, and there's a mysterious alien force, by the way, that threatens to doom them all. It is an ambitious show, which is probably why sci-fi had to cancel it. It probably just became too ambitious for them. But hey, Amazon resurrected the show, and as a result, the show is even better thanks to all that Amazon cash. They got lots of it. Of all the shows you watch that I don't watch, that I think would be the one that I would like to get into. Well, you can. It's uh, All the seasons are up on Amazon mm, now. So not to sound like this is an Amazon. The, the couch <laughs> potatoes are not sponsored by Amazon. No, we're uh, brought to you by Disney. No. <laughs> <laughs> That's right. Disney owns secretly owns everything. Yeah. Uh, at number two on my list, and I know it's one of Brett's favorites as well, it does require a bit of an explanation, but it begins with a show that dominated the first half of the decade, Breaking Bad. You clearly don't know who you're talking to, so let me clue you in. I am not in danger, Skyler. I am the danger. A guy opens his door and gets shot, and you think that of me? No. I am the one who knocks. Breaking Bad started in 2008, but the bulk of the show aired this decade, and especially the best of it. The show about a chemistry teacher diagnosed with cancer who becomes a drug lord, star Brian Cranston as Walter White and Aaron Paul as his partner Jesse Pinkman. And for five seasons over six years, they battled each other, loved ones, the law, and other criminals on the mean streets of Albuquerque, New Mexico. And it was one of two shows this decade that really took over the television zeitgeist, getting bigger and bigger every year, and ending in one of those big final hypothons where the show really has no chance of living up to expectations but Breaking Bad did everyone said the finale was good and for a TV finale that's like winning a gold medal at the Olympics on the same day you cure the common cold and win the lottery so that was nice and then the next thing we know show creator Vince Gilligan gives us Better Call Saul a prequel series about one of the characters from Breaking Bad starring Bob Odenkirk as Saul and while it's not as tightly plotted as Breaking Bad was it delves even deeper into characterization and the humanity of living on the edge of legality between the two shows it's been a full decade of Gilligan's finest work yeah love both of those shows I plowed through Breaking Bad in like I don't I think most of it in 10 days or something when wow. I binged I started it on Labor Day whatever the, like the the year that it was coming to an end because right. I wanted to get caught up in time to watch it live and I ended up finishing I think two weeks early so when I finally watched the second last episode live <laughs> it felt weird to have to wait for it oh man yeah it was that was like the lost experience for me every week I just look forward to it so much and then it was just painful waiting a whole week for the next episode when did lost end was it 20 2010 technically it could be on the list the finale was a May of 2010 I'm which so- is this decade Maybe it's my number one. <laughs> oh, God. <laughs> hey, the next one on my list was on my list last decade, too. It's currently in its 15th and final season on the CW. It's Supernatural. Look, Dad's gone now. We have to carry out his legacy. And that means hunting down as many evil sons of bitches as we possibly can. Carry on my wayward son. Sam and Dean Winchester fight monsters, ghosts, demons, angels, even God himself and God's sister, and they make a regular habit of saving the world. It probably sounds crazy when I describe it like that. They fight God. Look, it's not prestige TV. It is fun TV, and no other show on TV has as much fun with its audience with winks and nods, and it's not afraid to step out of its shell and try just crazy adventurous things, like one episode where the brothers got dropped into an episode of Scooby-Doo. It was genius. I was sad to learn that they were calling it a day after 15 seasons, but I think also kind of happy because I would rather it go out on a good note than have them just drag it out for years to come because there have been some stinker seasons where the main storyline was less than stellar. 
but it's back to form. And this is a show, by the way, that was originally only supposed to go five seasons. Here we are ten years later. Hopefully they stick the landing at the end of this season. What's the line? Saving people. Hunting things. The family business. Don't you cry no more. Up next, our favorite TV shows of the decade. You're listening to The Couch Potatoes. Welcome back to The Couch Potatoes. I'm Jeff. He's Brett. We're counting down our 10 favorite TV shows of the decade, 10 each. And we've done nine each. We got our favorite each to come yet. But we want to first talk about some honorable mentions that did not make our lists. Uh, I guess I'll go first because I'm talking right now, Brett. That sounds uh, like a sound logic, Jeff. Yeah. Sound logic. You mentioned on your list. I put Survivor on my honorable mention list. Um, trying to look see if there's anything else in there. Not right just yet. True Detective is on my list. That was they had a one season. One was phenomenal. Season two I skipped because everyone said it sucked. And I really like season three. And people had different takes on that. The show Happy Endings was a sitcom that only ran for three brief seasons, which was terribly funny. I can't watch one without watching the entire season in like a week for some reason. Oh wow, that stuff is just catnip to me. V was really good. Curb Your Enthusiasm, I think they did one or two episodes this or seasons this decade. They're coming back next year. Uh, there's a couple of Sherlock Holmes store shows that were really good. Elementary and Sherlock. Uh, Late Show with David Letterman ended a few years ago. That was always one of my favorites. I like the Key and Peele show, Comedians in Cars Getting Coffee, Hannibal, which was on your list as well, and uh, Big Little Lies. And uh, I feel like I just... Oh, and Watchmen just ended. Uh, uh, this may be recency bias, but I really, really dug what they did on Watchmen this year. Watchmen was very good, one of many awesome shows that HBO does. And you mentioned Big Little Lies. That was an HBO show. That that was on my honorable mentions. I had a tough one not putting that in my top 10. This was really difficult to narrow down to my 10 favorite because there's been so much great television. Like Chernobyl, for example. It was just a a limited mini-series, but it was one of the most powerful things I've ever seen. So if you haven't watched that yet on HBO, uh, I highly recommend it. Planet Earth 2, another miniseries yep. was just sensational. It was like, I remember being excited to watch television on a Saturday night in February. Uh, I felt like such a nerd. This is us from NBC. That's an honorable mention. It actually made my list. I think the last two or three years, but it's uh, in terms Falling of the out. overall. Yeah. It's, it didn't quite make the cut. Orphan Black is worth mentioning, American Horror Story, and American Crime Story, at least the O.J. Simpson edition. I didn't watch the the follow-up season. Sex Education, that's a comedy, a British comedy that is on Netflix. It is amazing. Can't wait for its next season. I had Survivor on my list, but another reality show that's worth mentioning, I think, is The Amazing Race Canada. While I love The Amazing Race original, the Canadian version, it's just... It's so distinctly, obviously it's in the name, but it's so Canadian. Like the contestants are just, they're nice to each other. <laughs> it's kind of, it, it, it was refreshing to see people not out to like kill each other. They're just there to play a game and have fun while they do it. And John Montgomery as the host, he was stiff in that first season, but wow, he's a lot of fun as it's gone on. And uh, Cardinal is another one that I'd like to mention. Another Canadian TV show based on a series of mystery books. It is excellent, and I believe its final season should be coming in 2020. Nice. Well, sir, we could have done top 20 lists easily. Yeah. But we did top 10 lists, and now we're on to our favorites of the decades. And my favorite show of the 2010s was an HBO show called The Leftovers, set in a world where 2% of the world's population vanishes in thin air with no explanation. You sit there and tell me a story about your daughter. I lost everyone. I lost everything. You f- fraud. You f- 
liar. You're not in pain. Because if you were in pain, you would know there is no moving on. There is no happiness. What's next? What's next? Nothing is next. Nothing! <laughs> no. Uh, that's Carrie Coon as Nora, a woman who lost her husband and two children in what they call the sudden departure. She's only one of the many trying to come to terms with it. Justin Thru plays Kevin, the police chief in the upstate New York town where the show was initially set. And this show, as you may have guessed, is about grief, which is not something you see a lot. And it hit hard in the first season. So hard, in fact, that they found a lot of viewers didn't really like it, so they did add a bit more humor in the subsequent two seasons. And it was wonderful, unlike anything we've seen before, mixing this intense drama with the low-grade sci-fi of it all. Co-creator Damon Lindelof brought a lot of the tools from his previous show, Lost to the Sandbox. He also would go on to make Watchmen. And he would, uh, again this past year, like I said, make Watchmen on HBO. If you want something genuinely moving that'll make you think a lot, surprise you time and again, and give you a newfound appreciation for life, you should definitely go back and watch The Leftovers. A newfound appreciation for life. Yes. Watching one of the saddest shows ever. Well, it's about grief. Life. Yeah, I think so. Yeah, was it Thanos? <laughs> did he say that? You know, was it Thanos who did it? The sudden departure? Oh, the sudden departure. No. Okay. I, I will not say anything. <laughs> For those, uh, if if your big problem with the Lost finale in May of 2010, this decade was the problem, was that they didn't give out answers. Also, don't watch The Leftovers. Okay, so you don't get answers in The well, Leftovers. Well, that's, I think, probably maybe uh, goes with the theme. Sometimes you don't get answers no. with, with life and grief. For me, there was only ever one way to go for my favorite show. Dragons do not do well in captivity. How do you know this? That's what I do. I drink and I know things. Game of Thrones. Yes, I know it had a controversial finale that left many people disappointed, upset, angry. Yes, I know they rushed through the last couple of seasons, but so what? Never have I obsessed over a show like I did Game of Thrones. It provided so many hours of amazing entertainment and is probably going to be the last big water cooler show to capture such a massive global audience. The last true pop culture television phenomenon. It had amazing characters, costumes, sets, visual effects, and a story that left us all dying for more. And I know the finale wasn't perfect, but I still liked it, and I loved this show. So I'm excited to see what HBO has in store with future shows set in the Game of Thrones world. Jon Snow avenged the Red Wedding. He is the White Wolf. The king in the north. Part of me wants to read the books now that if the series is finished, but I'm scared that George R. R. Martin is never going to finish those books. Yeah, that would be a, a gamble to set off on that thing. I almost, I had a hard time keeping Game of Thrones off my list, uh, but I was like, oh, Brett's going to have it number one. So we had so much stuff. I was like, well, I'll throw something else in there. Yeah, we can. That's an honorable mention from Jeff and uh, my favorite of the decade. And again, it was so difficult to, to narrow this down to, <laughs> to 20 series yeah. between the two of us, never mind 50. We could have easily done 50. Like Absolutely. I, I, and I did read one list. It was a top 50. I can't remember where from, but they had the leftovers at number one, and nice. I don't know that Game of Thrones was even on that list. Really? Hey, that's it for 2019. I'm Brad, he's Jeff. We are the Couch Potatoes. Remember, if it requires getting up off the couch, don't bother. <laughs>